Look, no one is tuning in for the facts. No, it doesn't really matter. I mean, if you are six episodes in, what are you up to? Hi, welcome to What A Way To Go, episode six. This is a podcast about unusual deaths, near misses and bizarre stories with your hosts, Claire Daly. Ellen the Gamer. And Sarah Austin. Um, so here we go, episode six. How's everyone feeling? Pretty good, Pretty actually. All right, yeah. Um, into a groove. Yep. Solidly into a groove. Solidly into a groove, nice. yeah. Um, didn't have a lot of time this week to research, so I'm worried about the quality. You're fine. But I'm just going to smash just through it. Just keep talking, because then it's quantity over quality, and then you don't need to worry. Yeah, yeah. this is true. Okay. I find that I can't decide on the story that I want until it's almost too late and I just have to pick one really suit of your pants because this has been on my list forever Ooh. it was actually a recommendation from my boyfriend Steve and I hadn't wanted to do it until today and Fat I keep doing that like I don't yeah, right. I have like a list of like potentials and then I decide on the day maybe an hour <laughs> before I'm due to meet you guys um keeping it fresh yeah though, I think that's that's a good way to do it it's yeah a good approach well um, so who's going first? I think Sarah. I think I'm going first You're today. going first. Okay. Off you pop. <laughs> so. I'm just going to have a little sip of beer first just to, to brace myself. To get yourself to ready. To my appetite. I think mine's quite strong. It's 900 words. Is that long? It's two pages. It's fine. It's, it's a nice amount. Last week mine was Yours was great last mate, week. Yours was, was so, so good. good. Thanks, I just bought that up so I can get the phrase. <laughs> we know. Fuck we you. absolutely know. <laughs> That's like, the only I'm, episode like, we're going <clears> to <throat> put out. I think about the story you told last week, which was the... Dyatlov Pass. Dyatlov yeah. Pass Is it mystery. Dyatlov? I believe so. I mean, I'm not a Russian expert, oh, okay. so I've got no idea. Fine. I, <laughs> I think about that all the time, particularly when I'm doing things like brushing my teeth or showering. When my brain switches off, I'm yeah. immediately like, what happened in that pass? What happened to those lads? Weirdly, I've not really thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> you do it and then you get over Served it. Served a purpose. Gone. <laughs> Let's, so, onto the move. unusual deaths. Okay. So, you know this about me, but for our listeners, I've got a bit of a thing for sharks. Mm-hmm. Mm. Big time. You know this? Your yeah. cat sleeps in a bed shaped like a shark. Yep, I've got you a shark. You made a shark cake for your 30th birthday. I didn't make it. Oh, someone made it for you, of course. My, my parents bought me it from an actual uh, bakery. And you used to have a shark ring. I do still have it. I just don't really wear rings anymore. But yes, well remembered. When you were going through that big ring phase. <laughs> that big ring phase, yeah. Um, and it's obviously not a Troy McClure fish fancier kind of shark thing. Do you get that? No. No one's, uh, saying, no one's saying you want to have sex with sharks. Yeah, so Troy McClure in The Simpsons is obsessed, is like, wants to have sex with sh- fish. Right. And he marries someone as a beard so he can just keep having sex with fish. Fair enough. It was funnier in my head when Some, I wrote it. Marry someone, you don't want to give a spoiler away that it's one of the <laughs> Bouvier sisters. The Bouvier sisters. I mean, it's a 35-year-old episode, probably. <laughs> it's fine. Anyway. Anyway. But sharks, I like them and I respect them. That's what you need to know. Uh, but they've got quite a bad reputation. Fuck yeah. Uh, with, Absolutely hate them. With us humans. Uh, we're all petrified of them and they're big, massive, pointy faces. That's... And fins. And fins in the water. Yes, and that's teeth. fine. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, most of it. Um, but actually, sharks attack, shark attacks are actually pretty rare. We know this as well, too, sure. Um, and being killed by a shark is up there on the list of things unlikely to happen mm-hmm. to you. Um, there's usually only five or six fatalities a year. Sometimes there's less, sometimes there's more, but that's kind of the average. You're more likely to die falling out of bed. Uh, and you're more likely what? to... What? Yeah. It's like in the 20s. People dying from falling out of bed. Oh, I love guys. How do you die falling out of bed? Probably hit the old head on oh, something. Hit the, the head. Noggin. Yeah. Yeah. Hit on the that's it. bed frame, hit on the bedside table, whatever. God. Or fall onto an extremely sharp object. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Um, and you're more likely, more likely to die being hit on the head with a coconut, which is something I found out today. 150 oh, people that. die a year by uh, being hit by a coconut. Don't sit under a coconut tree. Yeah, it must be in quite specific areas where they under coconut. coconut trees under coconut trees <laughs> I mean in the world but quite a, people, quite a lot of people die from it stuff yeah. like that is so 
incredible when you put the stats into like stark reality of the things that we're scared of. It's like all the terrorism stats, you know, you're you're however many times more likely to be killed by a f- iron than you are by a terrorist, right? But it doesn't make for good news, does it? That is not it? a fact, by the way. This, this, I've plucked <laughs> yeah. that off in a... Steven Spielberg's not going to make a film about someone dying by being hit on the head by a coconut. He might. But he will be... He did make a film about... He made lots of films, didn't he? About He's sharks. made films, yeah. <laughs> he's definitely made a couple. Yeah, he's a made couple. Of films. Films he's he made, made Jaws, didn't he? Spielberg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. but not, maybe not the after. Maybe not the two, three, four. Anyway. Anyway, that's not the point. I fucking love Jaws. Oh, it's so Get off sharks back is what I'm trying to say. They they're not the bad guys in all of this, but but it kind of goes against it because I know that I'm a big supporter of sharks. I know there's a lot of bad things about sharks. The fishing of sharks and the killing of sharks is quite a bad thing. If anything, we're killing them a million times faster than they're killing us. But anyway, today I'm going to tell you about a shark attack incident, one that has been called the worst shark attack in history. It is the story of the USS Indianapolis ship sinking. Oh, my God. So, in July 1945, the USS Indianapolis was carrying 1,200 sailors unescorted, so no other ships around them, to Guam for some training. It had just completed a secret mission delivering components of the atomic bomb that was then later dropped on Hiroshima in Japan. So... You know. It's bad karma all round. Yeah, there really was. There really was. The ship had delivered the crucial components of the first operational atomic bomb to the naval base off a of Pacific island. But now, after that, they were moving on without an escort to meet the battleship USS Idaho in the Philippines and prepare for an invasion of Japan. This was all quite secret at the time. Like, not very many people knew what they were up to. They weren't escorted for that very reason. Um, it was only after the fact that people realised what they were up to. So... Sometime after midnight, when the ship was on its um, course, a Japanese torpedo hit the Indianapolis, blowing almost 65 feet of the ship's bow out of the water and igniting a tank containing 3,500 gallons of aviation fuel into a pillar of fire, shooting several hundred feet into the sky. Then another torpedo from the same submarine hit closer to the midship, hitting fuel tanks and setting off a chain reaction of explosives that effectively ripped the ship into two. Um, the ship, the Indianapolis, began taking on massive amounts of water and it sank in just 12 minutes. Oh like, my God. It kind of like, ruined it completely, ruined it. So of the 1,200 men aboard, it's estimated that 800 or 900 made it into the water alive. So quite a few people died quite quickly. Um, early in the morning, so you know, a couple of hours after this happened, the survivors were in the water you know, bobbing around in the water. They began to form into groups, thinking it was kind of their best way of surviving. Some small couple of people, some over 100 um, 100 or 200 people in the open water. So quite quickly they knew that rescue wasn't going to come that quickly because obviously it was a secret mission. They wouldn't have necessarily known it was going to happen. People didn't know where they were going, what their course Mm, was. It's almost like hardly anyone knew they were there, right? Exactly, yeah. Um, so they were soon, they were expecting the inevitable thirst that would come around of not having much water to drink and exposure, being in the water, being in the sun, etc. But what they weren't expecting were the sharks. Oh, God. It was sharking infested water, but, you know, it just isn't something that necessarily comes to your mind when something as dramatic as that has happened. So um, the sharks were drawn by the sound of the explosions, the sinking of the ship and the thrashing and blood in the water. So as you can imagine, there was quite a lot of carnage as the ship was sinking, as people were thrown in the air with the explosion and then the aftermath. Um, The first night, the sharks focused on the floating dead. Obviously, they were easy prey for them. There was already blood in the water. But the survivor struggles in the water also attracted more and more sharks, which could feel their motions, you know, with their, mm-hmm. whatever it is, lateral line that they've got. As the sharks turned their attention towards the living, especially the injured and the bleeding, sailors tried to quarantine themselves away from anyone with an open wound. And when someone died, they would push away Fuck. the body, hoping to sacrifice the corpse instead of the living. This is so grim. It's, oh. Yeah, it's really horrible. Um, I mean, I, I've got I've got it written later, but it's a it's a really really interesting story. There's a lot more to it. There's a lot more, and there's quite a lot of eyewitness testimony, so people that actually survived, which is really fascinating. Um, I'm obviously just focusing on the the shark part because it is quite rare. Um, 
Some of the survivors had managed to salvage some food and drink from the ship before it went down and were rationing it out as much as possible so people had, you know, some chance of surviving the days they were in the water. And this is this is an eyewitness testimony, but apparently someone opened a tin of spam and that attracted the sharks too because obviously it was quite pungent, it was quite smelly. And they, sharks do love spam. They love it, they love it. Notorious. Notorious for loving spam. Um, so as soon as they realised that, they discarded it and no one opened another tin of spam. I mean, that's not meant Good to idea. be a funny anecdote, yeah. but like what a weird anecdote. It is a bit up in the air about what really happened because obviously it is kind of reliant on who survived. But as it says, the sharks fed for days with no sign of rescue for the men. Navy intelligence had intercepted a message from the Japanese submarine that torpedoed them, describing how it had sunk an American battleship, but the message was ignored and thought to be a trick to lure American rescue boats into an ambush. So if they hadn't have ignored it, they could have potentially saved them sooner, but obviously there was lots of back and forth in that time anyway. But in the meantime, the Indianapolis survivors learned that they had the best odds in a group and ideally in the centre of the group. The men on the margins, or worse, alone, were the most susceptible to the sharks. And there's actually an eyewitness testimony from one of the doctors who said that he would rotate the people being in the middle. So it was like the health, the, the healthier people on the outside and the people that were poorly on the inside. Oh so it could um, get them the most rest if, if they were able to sleep at all. Um, But after 11am on the fourth day in the water, a Navy plane flying overhead spotted the Indianapolis survivors and radioed for help. Within hours, another seaplane manned by Lieutenant Adrian Marks returned to the scene and dropped rafts and survival supplies. When Marks, when Adrian Marks saw the men being attacked by sharks, as it was happening quite often, he disobeyed orders and landed in the infested waters and began taxiing his plane to help the wounded and the stragglers who were at the greatest risk. A little after midnight, the USS Doyle arrived on the scene and helped to pull the last survivors from the water. Of the Indianapolis original 1,200-man crew, only 317 remained. Bloody hell. So, like I've said, it's kind of impossible to say how many people were attacked and eaten by sharks. It sounds like about 600 or something, right? Well, because people would have died of exposure. Mm, People were drinking the the seawater, which obviously drives you mad. So, and there was obviously, there was quite a lot of reports of people infighting, so fighting over rations, fighting in general, fighting to be on the inside of the circle. So it, not not all of it can be attributed to the sharks at all. Um, there is one eyewitness testimony that said he only saw one shark over the entire four days and didn't see any of the sharks attacking people. But then when the rescuers were pulling bodies out of the water, 56 were marked to have been mutilated, mm. as in had, in had limbs missing or had bites taken out of them. Others said it could have ranged from a few dozen to closer to 150, but we'll never really know for sure. But yeah, so as I've said, there's, there's a lot more to that story. There's a there's a an eyewitness testimony from the doctor. He he jokes about well not jokes, but he says about how when they first asked if there was a doctor that had survived, he didn't want to say yes, but eventually he did, and actually that's what he thinks made him live because he was so busy and he was you know constantly moving from group to group that he was able to kind of keep himself going um he was the one that said that he didn't see any sharks attacking people but there's a lot of really good info out there and it's really worth a read if you have time the two articles that i've kind of referenced the most in here are from the smithsonian magazine who had a really really good article really long um an eyewitness history website which i guess is full of people witnessing history and talking about it (laughs) which I didn't know existed but that was really really good too Um, but yeah that's the story of the USS Indianapolis that is brilliant yeah it's quite it's really sad one four days four days in the water so like literally treading water right they didn't have life rafts I mean there might have been a couple of bits of debris Mm. um there wasn't many rafts. There was a couple. Mm. There was a couple lifeboats, but because a lot of things got exploded in the initial God. hit, it was really, really, really barren. It doesn't. It doesn't bear imagining like in the water with hundreds of people all just trying to. Yeah, I think a lot of the deaths would have been because of um, drinking salt water. Because obviously yeah. it, it shuts down your organs quite quickly and it does make you go mad. That would have happened. They said that quite a lot of the young soldiers did that because they were quite inexperienced. And because it got quite calm at certain points, it looked delicious. Like it, it was really inviting. Oh, they wanted God, to drink yeah. it because like it was... that thirsty. Yeah. So And then they had to push people away that were obviously delirious or going a bit mad because they didn't want to jeopardise the rest of the group. 
So it's really, I mean, it's a, you know, it's a lose-lose situation really yeah. to be in. How long can you go without water, just like drinking water? I don't know, five or six days. There was there mm. were some rations. They they mm. were they were a little bit buoyed by that, but yeah, not very long. I can't imagine. Yeah, it's a bit of a bummer to start. Mm. Sorry, and even like because obviously shark attacks aren't particularly prevalent they are quite rare so it could be the story that is the worst shark attack in history and then actually maybe only one person maybe no people died by sharks but there's quite a lot of articles out there that do say that a lot of people died and some people talk about how they tried to push the sharks away and oh stuff that's oh, just terrifying yeah the shark away. that's what we meant to do bop them on the nose yeah is that does that work have you I've, tried it i've never tried you, it not do you um you prefaced that with your love of sharks. Mm. Did researching that story change your opinion on sharks? I know they're just, they're just doing what is natural to them, right? But how did you feel about sharks? It's kind of hard to describe because, A, they shouldn't have been in the water. That's mm. not normal for them and that's not normal for the sharks. Sharks are man-eating fish and it's kind of like a victim of circumstance. Mm. I don't hate sharks for doing that. I know that sharks can kill people and do kill people, but... The thing that is true, more true about this, is that we kill sharks more than they kill Mm -hmm. us. We unbelievably kill sharks. We kill so many sharks. And not because of fear, because of greed or money or whatever. So it didn't make me hate the shark anymore. But it was a story that I I was really interested in because obviously shark attacks are so rare and I have looked into that. I am. I mean, I'm still scared of shark. I'd go shark diving. I'd definitely Mm -hmm. go in a cage of a shark. I'd love that. I'd absolutely love that. I'd be petrified. I'd love it. If you're in a metal cage. No, I freaked out once when I went scuba, not scuba diving, um, snorkeling. (laughs) Scuba diving's a lesser brother. Um, We were at something in Florida, like a water park in Florida, I think, and you could like snorkel with mini sharks. And I saw a mini hammerhead and it freaked me out. <laughs> and I was like, to Bye. the other side, as far as no, possible. What, so you, were you like loose in the pond? In the pond? My memory <laughs> of it, pond. and it was a long time ago, I was like 11, I think. But it was like this sort of swimming pool sized swimming pool. <laughs> yes. With sharks yes. in it. And it had like little. But they do that, don't they, in certain resorts? Which is, again, like not. Not ideal. No, it's not great. I don't even know Doesn't why. Sound good for anyone. It was at like a, I don't know, wet and wild. What the, what are they yeah, called? Yeah, well, yeah. Those yeah. guys. Maybe I'm making it up. I'm sure that you got like a snorkel. I mean, I, I, yeah, yeah. I'm not doubting you. I'm sure that does happen in certain resorts. It is weird though. But it wasn't. It was like a. It was like a water park. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at Sea World, mate. Like what they do to those poor oh, guys. Don't feel well. It's done. Don't feel guilty about it. I went to see dolphins in Finland when I was like eleven, and it was the best thing ever because I was obsessed with dolphins. And then years afterwards, I realised what Sea World was and what you know dolphins shouldn't be in such a small captivity. And I kind of hated myself for it. But you don't know as a young kid, and a lot of people didn't know in the eighties, in the early nineties, of what those parks were doing. So Mm. don't worry about it. But like we spoke about it in a, a couple of episodes ago, like the shark fin soup thing. Like there's a lot of bad behavior with sharks and mm. i just think they deserve a bit more respect they're important guys we need to keep them around they've got bad pr yeah they're cool as fuck as well like just get off their backs a little bit maybe and get onto dolphins backs not physically although a lot of people <laughs> don't do that people do want to get on dolphins oh backs. i don't like that yeah i don't like I that i think dolphins are creepy man you, you know you fuck, know. i forgot yeah, that you hate yeah, dolphins yeah. i forgot I about this i'm not into it i think it's my biggest problem is when and it's probably all the human intervention, right? But when they come out of the water and like give people cuddles, but that's, that's, that's like our very fault. Specific, yeah, of course it's yeah. our fault. But you know, I don't think they do that in the wild. <laughs> <laughs> I once heard I about. Just love a I once heard about a Sea World style show in Mexico where they put Hawaiian shirts on. Oh dolphins. no, they don't want to wear clothes. That, they is, wear clothes. that is very yeah. That's very much our fault. That's our yeah. fault. Oh no, yeah, not Listen, us three. The greatest. I didn't do that. I didn't put that Mexican shirt on that dolphin. 
The greatest monster Hawaiian, is, yeah. is man, let's be honest. Yeah, oh yeah. One of my saddest stories from my childhood is that um, I was I was obsessed with dolphins. I had like figurines. How are we friends? I don't really know. Um, when I was like 11, I sent away some birthday money to adopt a dolphin Aww. from like WWF or something. Bubbles, it was called. They're all called fucking yeah, Bubbles. That's yeah, that's not a real dolphin. <laughs> Anyway, and so I would, I'd get like regular updates and then as soon as I like sent the money away, I'd get like a little soft toy and everything and I was really excited about it and it just never came. I never got my adoption. What, the dolphin? The whole dolphin, yeah, I never got my, <laughs> I never got my adoption certificate, I never got my little bubbles toy. Oh, was it WWF? Well, I mean, let's not it was in my dolphin magazine that I used to subscribe to. So a dolphin knows? magazine? Yes, I was that big was into it? dolphins. How was there enough content for a whole magazine? They just probably rot- rotated it every month. I have no idea. Probably, but yeah. that Before is... the internet as well. Oh, yeah. yeah definitely. What did you do? One of the saddest, saddest childhood experiences oh, I had. I, mean, I was sheltered, I think... <laughs> had a lucky childhood as that was one of my worst things. But... I didn't get my dolphin magazine. I didn't magazine. get my dolphin cuddly toy. But yeah. What a load of shit. That was my own £10 as well. That's like, uh, what, a million? In the, <laughs> the inflation. Money, basically, a million. <laughs> Stole a million pounds from a small child. Oh, Whatever. Dolphins for you. Daily, let's move on to you. Let's stop talking about dolphins and sharks. And older And men. start talking about... Well, my incredibly short story <laughs> that I'm going to tell you. Yes. But it really, it really chimed with me. Because it's about science. Again, Again, it's it's another one about science. So I'm going to tell you the story of Vladimir Likonos. Mm -hmm. Death by chemistry. Oh. And I have to apologise in advance if I pronounce anything wrong in here. I think there's a couple of words because it's set in the Ukraine. So, Vladimir Likonos was a 25-year-old chemistry student at the Kiev Polytechnic Institute. Um, he was home for the holidays in the town of Konotop. I mean, I definitely have not said that right. Uh, <laughs> Sounded in, fine. In northern Ukraine. Um, in December 2009. Um, so he's home for the Christmas holidays. Um, he's finished his semester's exams. He's spending most of his time on his computer and experimenting with various chemicals. He's a chemistry buff. He enjoys it. It gives him life. As it does all, us yeah, all. Doesn't it? Doesn't it? Um, I think he's only 25. I'm really sorry, Vladimir. Anyway, one evening, he was working at home uh, on his computer and his relatives were in another room. So I think his parents and his brother were in another room when they heard a loud pop. Oh, no. Never a good sign. So Unless it's like champagne or Prosecco. No, or it's not. I'm afraid. Um, so his brother, Rostislav, went to check, ran to his room and checked and found a pretty horrible scene. He found uh, Vladimir in his chair, covered in blood, with his lower jaw missing. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, and the rest of his face was um, all bloodied and disfigured. Basically, he was just sat in his computer chair with his jaw blown off. Oh, Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's insane. They called the emergency services, but unfortunately, nothing could be done to save Vladimir. So they're like, everyone is thinking, what the hell has happened? So they they obviously had the forensics uh, investigators round. They found that that Vladimir had been chewing a piece of gum, which was laced with an unidentified chemical, possibly an explosive. Did he know that he was... Chewing that at the time. Well, so Vladimir liked to dip his chewing gum in citric acid. Now, citric acid is what is in citrus fruits, obviously. Um, but the the form it takes, if you if you literally buy it, is like a white powder, a white crystalline powder. Um, and he used to like dipping his chewing gum into it because it was like really tangy and basically gave his chewing gum loads of nice, like a nice sour kick. You can buy citric acid in some specialist stores. It's called like sour sour sugar or sour salt, sour salt or something like that. So it's like a th- it's, it's harmless. Citric acid in and of itself is n- not a problem at all. It gives things a nice kick. Sometimes it's used in recipes when you can't use like lemon juice or whatever. So he used to like to dab his gum in citric acid. 
But so when the investigators were looking at the scene of where Vladimir had died, they found a small plastic bag with white powder in it, literally next to a little saucer with his citric acid in it. Oh, no. And basically this this white powder was an explosive. Like he had, he had absent-minded... It seems that he had absent-mindedly dipped his gum into an explosive that he was using because he basically liked to... He was a chemist. He really enjoyed it. He liked to kind of play around with like homemade firecrackers, little, little explosive things, um, and he just happened to be on his computer working something out, dipped it in the wrong thing. Oh no! And it killed him. So basically, everyone's like, "Yeah, the, these two substances could very easily have been mistaken." There's a theory that it was potassium chlorate, which is used in explosives and fireworks, basically. So that's more or less the story. There's there's not too much follow-up. Um, friends and classmates told police that Vladimir was quite a level-headed man who always enjoyed maths, physics and chemistry. Um, he, he as, we, as I said, he made homemade firecrackers. There was a theory at one point that he might have been, like, making something to order for a customer. He might have been, like, doing something to sell, basically, like, making little firecrackers or explosives or whatever. Um, and he just mixed it up and... Yeah, basically his passion for chemistry was what caused him to meet his end. Oh, that's really sad. Yeah, sorry, I mean, Vladimir, but what a way to go. What a way to go, but also, why is everything so close together? Yeah, mm. that's what I was going to say, don't put your it next to your It's human bath. error, obviously, yeah. but it's also, if they're quite similar looking mm-hmm. and you do that as a regular habit. Yeah. But who knew, popping your chewing gum in citric acid? I mean, you... How would anyone know that? What is delicious? Dipping. Or? So here it goes. Vladimir liked to consume this by dipping a chewing gum in citric acid to increase the gum's sour taste. I mean, it's niche. It's niche. Yeah. It's also yeah. So what I was going to say is like, guys, you know how we all like to dip our chewing gum in citric acid? No, no, um, no, not at all. Also, what flavour was the gum? Because mint and citric acid to me. It's not a combination. What, mint and citrus? Not a a fan. doesn't feel like a natural partner. No. No. I once accidentally put hydrochloric acid in my mouth. How? And it tasted very weird. So I was carrying a bag with like a container, a plastic bag with a container of hydrochloric acid in it. And I'd also popped my pen in said bag. Uh. And the container had leaked a little bit and it'd gone on the pen and then pens immediately go in my mouth whenever I'm around pens. And uh, why wouldn't they? It's just the way I. What are you a puppy? <laughs> More or less. Why were you carrying hydrochloric acid? Science in it. But why? Saturday, just a Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> it was a Saturday, and it was in Bedfordshire, and it was part of my undergrad degree. And I was literally like digging up soil and working out the. Did you do a science degree? I did two science degrees, baby. I didn't know this about you. This is why I tried to make Lake Nyos interesting. <laughs> it was interesting. It was very interesting. But yeah, anyway, long story short, I put hydrochloric acid right in my mouth um, and it tasted very weird. It didn't taste like poison. It tasted very sharp. Mm. And I was like, ooh, what's this? Because hydrochloric acid's in your stomach anyway. Basically, when you puke, you have hydrochloric acid oh, in your mouth. Oh, I know that like, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've <laughs> right, all been there. Right? But imagine that kind of condensed and it was very odd. And I it, can it um, like shriveled up my pen lid. Oh, dear. Thank you. Don't fuck with acid, guys. No, don't. Don't. In Although, I saw form. something today, an article about how good acid is for your skin. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Don't got, fuck with it, but do but pop it, pop it, on, pop it yeah. on your face. Pop I've it got, all over your face. I've got a few acid-type cleanser toner, guys. Mm. You're meant to do after you cleanse. I do it. Is it good? No idea. <laughs> okay. TBC. Mm. <laughs> um, so that's the story of Vladimir Lukonos, um, who's... Who died by chewing gum, basically. Els, okay. over to you. Okay, so I am going to tell you about the fate of John Kendrick, a sea captain. Interesting. So another water-related one. I nearly did a water one. Did oh, you? Yeah. Honestly, I nearly did a water one. That would have been weird. You should have done, mate. Come on. Let's carry on let's, with the... Let's be coherent. The weird themes that we keep pulling on each other. Okay, so join me for the fate of John Kendrick. He was an American sea captain and he was born circa 1740 because this was so long ago 
No one really knows. People didn't really register their <laughs> no birth. No one cares about birth certificates. Mm. He was born in Massachusetts. He came from a long line of sea men. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Oh, we all do. We all navigated. <laughs> so his father was Solomon and he was a humble sea man. Yeah. <laughs> sure, we all are. That's fine. And this is why John had uh, ambitions of becoming a sea captain. So he had bright lights, big city in his sights. <laughs> um, and at 20, he started his sea career. Uh, 20? Young, yes. isn't it? <clears throat> young, yeah. I mean, I don't know what I'm the doing. The sea waits I'm for no man. Nine years on him. Uh, yeah, sea waits for no man. So he joined a whaling crew at 20. What um, does that mean? Does that mean that they kill whales? I assume yeah. so. Oh, yes. Moby Dick shit. He was involved in, yeah. In America? Yeah. What are they killing whales for? Blubber? Blubber. Lipsticks? Fine. Carry on with the story. <laughs> I'm Virgin? annoyed. I'm annoyed. Okay, well, all right. It's <laughs> not your fault, else. Don't worry about it. So, look, I don't know loads of... But I've, um, I'll whistle through his background vaguely and then I'll get to the... The point that we're all really here for. So, um, so he joined the whaling crew. Um, in 1773, he was reported to have taken part in the Boston Tea Party. That's going to be a story one day in someone's podcast, surely. Yeah, not this one, not now. No, no, not right now. But just getting over that. Mm. But he, he, this isn't a politics podcast. No, he did not like the Tea Act. He, uh, but he was an ardent patriot, aren't they all? Yeah. So he was. Part of the American Revolution, and he served as commander of Fanny. <laughs> Excuse me, don't they all? And this was the <laughs> the first ship in what would become the Continental Navy. Sorry, the ship was called Fanny. It was called Fanny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <coughs> Fanny, Lads. Fanny had eighteen guns and a crew of a hundred. And captured some British ships. Yes, she did. Um John Kendrick was actually captured by British ships in 1779, and then he was traded as a prisoner of exchange. So he had a bit of time as a prisoner of the American Revolution, and then straight back on it. Mm. After the American Revolution, he returned to whaling, doing what he does best. Thank God. Yep. Until he became the captain of the first American ship of discovery. So in 1787, he commanded the ship Columbia Redaviva, and they set off in October 1787 for two years, and they, they sailed around the world, um, and they were involved in trading. There's quite a lot about what happened on his various ventures, but it felt like too much, so I've mm. not gone into it. I do know he was quite heavily involved in fur trading. Ooh. Sorry, guys. He's not good on any level, is he? He's not great, because when I was reading about him, he also, I think, got involved in quite a lot of, you know, broils, him and other captains. Hot-headed. Hot-headed. Love to kill animals. Toxic. Skin them. Yeah. Um, just needed to talk to someone. I think just he just calm, needed a friend. Toxic masculinity, I think. Yeah, exactly. He did that as part of the discovery, you know discovering various parts of the world which were already discovered to the people that lived in them but mm. you know doesn't count let's it. not get onto that mate because <laughs> we'll be here for days um after that he then went on to trade in east asia and continued trading i think fur and whatnot probably other things after the trip to east asia he had a brief period of sailing between the sandwich islands which is now hawaii Ooh. Oh, I didn't know that. Fucking yeah. great fact. Yeah. Sandwich. And Clayoquot Sound, I don't know if I've pronounced that right, which is in British Columbia, and he continued to trade, so he spent a lot of his time going between Hawaii and Canada, which sounds that is brilliant. Li- yeah, but also, what, is he on a little fucking rowboat or some shit? Like, that's going to take ages. Yeah, that's he's mostly... The, he's the commander of a okay. massive ship. Okay, it's not a rowboat, but he's sailing. That is going to take forever. It's a long journey, but... Canada, I've never been, but I'd like to go. Never been to Canada. Never been really? to Canada. Canada's beautiful. Yeah, no, I know. It well, it looks. <laughs> it looks. It, it is. Never been. Yeah. Um, really shocked that I've not been to a place that, not that well. I mean, lots of people have been, but. Yeah. I thought you'd been everywhere, mate. You're well travelled. <laughs> you're not, you're not a woman Canada. of the world. Not to Canada, um, and Hawaii, which is amazing. I've never been to Hawaii. I've so. never been to Hawaii. <gasps> 
Let's go. Right yeah. now. <laughs> He's got their passport. Okay, bye. 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 Yeah, so he did. He was doing that. So this is where we get into the nitty gritty. On December the 3rd, now here I've written 1974, which shows how quickly I was having to do this. I'm at 1774 because he did not live for over 200 years. <laughs> Unli- it's really unlikely. It's, it's, it's let's quite unlikely, yeah. You've unearthed an immortal man <laughs> in the history books. Um, Kendrick arrived in Honolulu, which was then known as Fairhaven. Hmm. Lovely. Um, I mean, that's not that's that screams of colonialism. colonialism yeah. There were okay. So at that time, there were two British ships that were also where Kendrick was. One was the Jackal, which was uh, under Captain William Brown, and the other was the Prince Lee Boo, under a Captain Gordon. I'm worried I've got those facts wrong because I don't remember writing that. So. <laughs> You're fine. Anyway, um, and they were both in Hawaii. Look, no one is tuning in for the facts. No, doesn't really matter. I mean, if you are six episodes in, what are you up to? Yeah, clearly you know we don't know anything. We're, the point is, we're, we're saying here for the banter. He was in Hawaii. <laughs> it doesn't matter. There he was, was on a ship bro- somewhere. In British the world. lads were there as well. Fine. Um, so, so Kendrick was in Hawaii at the same time as two warring Hawaiian chiefs were trying to make land grabs. I think basically, and one of these was Chief Kalanik. Kupule, I think, and Chief Keo. I've definitely. You've given yourself a lot of difficult words. Both of those are definitely wrong. Two Hawaiian chiefs, Um, and they were battling for the control of Oahu, which is the third largest island in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. Now, Captain William Brown, who was the British captain of Jackal, um, he backed Chief Kalani Kupule. And he requested the assistance of Kendrick to defeat the other chief, Chief Ko. So Kendrick sent some of his crew off to fend off Ko's men, and his assistance in that helped Kalani Kupule to win the battle. So obviously, Captain William Brown was pretty happy about this because that was who he backed to win the war going on. I'm sure there's a lot more detail I could go into about the warring chiefs of Hawaii. Mm, sounds pretty interesting, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Unlucky for you, I've not done that. <laughs> Where's my history lesson? <laughs> so, Captain Brown was happy, and Kendrick was not a bit of a hero. Well, no, because he'd oh, helped. Sorry. He'd helped Captain Brown. I don't think he really gave a shit. He was just there to do his job. Um, no, he wasn't even there to do his job. He just happened to get caught in the middle of it, and he was like, well, "Okay, if you want me to do that, then I'll do that because my odds are on neither of them." So. <clears throat> On the morning of December the 12th, which I think was the morning after the sort of defeat and the backing off of the Chief Ko's men, Captain Brown wanted to show his appreciation of John Kendrick's efforts. So he arranged for a 13-gun salute to be fired by Jackal, which was his boat. Unknowingly, Uh-oh. one of the cannonballs was loaded with real grape shot. I don't know what that is. <laughs> but I assume it's an explosive, actually. Presumably. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah. Linkage. So, this cannon smashed into Washington, which was John Kendrick's boat. Oh, dear. And that killed John Kendrick, who was at the table on his deck. Oh, my God. So, John Kendrick was killed in an honorary oh. salute. To his... To him. To oh him. Oh, my God. Oh, Christ. Talk about irony. That is bad luck. Yeah, that is bad luck. Did they not think about that, though? Like, what? I mean, <laughs> so if there was a 13-gun salute and one of them happened to be the thing that was the bad thing that killed a person, surely the 12 other things went into that general mm. vicinity. It wasn't just one erroneous thing that just landed differently. It was surely all it, of them. But went. I guess maybe... Maybe, so they were going into the water, presumably, but they would have just sunk, and then the one that was explosive would have gone, and set fire to something. Oh, yeah, maybe. Surely. Yeah, maybe. It seems strange, though, doesn't it? But also, by all accounts, he doesn't sound like the best guy in the world, and it's kind of bittersweet slash ironic that he died... At the hands of celebration, considering he wasn't 
But then it's a gradient scale, isn't it? Because lots of bad people we revere nowadays because he was the be- he was the lesser of two evils at the time. Also, I feel like, yeah, he, he wasn't great because of some of the things he was involved in, but also, I guess, relatively speaking, it was a different time. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't make the fur trade better or this, that or the other. No, but yeah, you're right. At the time, it would have been a different scenario. But yeah, that was the fate of John Kendrick, who sort of wrong place, wrong time, but also right place, right time, you know? That feels very specific to him. Like, I feel that that was not just a coincidence. Like, yeah. Fate had something in store for him. Yeah. Because it was such a shit. I don't want to give John Kendrick too much of a bad press. I feel like there were probably a lot of people doing a lot of bad things. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're reading it now in 2018, and obviously we can can attribute our own opinions. It really is a different time. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Very much so. There were some islands and things that were named after him, but I didn't get a chance to write them down. Anyway, he had legacy, so people didn't think he was a total shit. Or the people that... I mean, I have massively just jump to conclusions by declaring him a total shit. It was hard to find that much inf- information about him. There wasn't much about him, just about his, like, ventures around the world. But also, like, I don't know, like, I was a bit worried when I started looking at this. What was he up to sailing mm. around the world in the 1700s? Like, mm. all yeah. manner of awful things yeah, he no, could have no been involved in. Yeah, no shit was happening then. Exactly. So, but he was not the only one of a lot of people that felt like going to places that were undiscovered Mm. and taking what they wanted from it was an okay thing so nice one else cheers killed by your own celebration yeah careful that's a shame careful now okay so after all of the bummer stories (laughs) about people dying they're all pretty sad this weekend yeah um we're gonna take our usual positive turn and talk about the women that we are admiring this week. And mine this week, again, is very specific to the three of us, but <laughs> uh, I can I feel like it's um, something we can kind of advertise on their behalf. My girl crush is Mimi Duenny, who played who plays Ophelia. Oh, yes! <laughs> In the uh, Royal Shakespeare Company's production of Hamlet, which is currently on at the Hackney Empire... I mean, literally, by the time this goes out, it's finished, which is a real shame. And yeah, but find it somewhere. It's touring, isn't it? It's, it? Oh, is it? Yeah, so it was touring before it got to London, so hopefully it's elsewhere. Okay, amazing. So basically, if you get to see the current 2018 Royal Shakespeare Company's production of Hamlet, A, it's fucking incredible anyway, um, but Mimi, who plays Ophelia, blew me away to the extent that when she was kind of descending into madness in the second act, I felt, but BT dubs listeners, we all saw it last night, um, I felt like I couldn't see anything else in the room. Like, literally all I was seeing was her. And we were sat quite far back in the cheap seats, but I couldn't... Her like, her, like, I hadn't had to describe it, like, her grief when she fell to the floor was, like, palpable. She was was. incredible. Absolutely spectacular. Um, so, Mimi Duenny, um I haven't checked if she's on Instagram or anything. She might be. She was, yeah, she was, oh, I wholeheartedly support that. She was incredible. I really loved one of her jumpsuits. I told her I was at the bar. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, I know the jumpsuit. Yeah, really, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but she was brilliant because she was really funny and, like, irreverent at some point. And then that scene where she learns of the death of her father was Ugh, really, I mean, really hard hitting. Yeah, shed a little tear. Yeah. Yeah. It was really good. It's stunning. So in my immediate first glimpse at Instagram it doesn't look like she's on it, but just if you can go and see the twenty eighteen RSC production of Hamlet. So Hamlet, mm-hmm. the guy that played Hamlet is quite prevalent on Twitter. So oh, is maybe, he? maybe she's nice. on Twitter actually. Oh okay. Right, because he's quite chatty. Quite chatty on Twitter. He was great too but we don't talk about the men. Maybe one day we'll do a, a special. We'll do it on International Men's Day in November. Yeah. yeah. All right, nice. Because we love the men. Mine will all be from Queer Eye. Have you watched it? I haven't seen no. any of it. Oh, my God. Watch it. It's so good. It's <laughs> the fucking best thing I've ever seen. Well, really? It's the best thing I've seen in 2018. Fair enough. Really. Apart from Hamlet. Well, they're very different. <laughs> <laughs> Can't could compare not, them. Could not be more different. 
Sarah, who's your girl crush? Have you got one? Yes, I've got one. Mine's quite personal. I think yours is quite personal, but mine's quite personal too. Um, Not that it's been spoken about on the podcast previously, but I run a baking company as well as podcasting and other stuff. Multi-jobbed. Jack of all trades. Jack of all trades. Fingers in many pies. Lol, because I run a sweet pie company. But someone that I've always really looked up to and always had as a girl crush in general whatever how you ever want to talk about that phrase was um a woman called chloe who runs fatty's bakery i follow her on instagram yeah she's I've a, never had anything that oh, she does but mate. it all looks incredible so i just lust from afar you're, you're <laughs> missing out so she's she's always kind of well she's always focused on salted caramel that's always been her thing so wherever she can put a delicious glob of salted caramel. She's done it. So brownies is her kind of thing. She's got a gold mine brownie, which is incredible. And lots of other things like bocaditos. And she's she's an incredible baker. She's really normal and she's, you know, lovely. I've met her a couple of times. Like We're not friends, but like I've met her a couple of times and she follows me on Instagram. So that's like, you know, to me as a small independent baker, like that's quite a big deal. Um, she wrote a book and I bought it and all of that kind of stuff. Like she's just like a really lovely person to look up to. And um, the whole reason she started her company in the first place was because her dad died and she went into like a severe bout of depression and it kind of brought her out of where she was and really helped her kind of focus and everything. But unfortunately, she's she shut her company really recently because she just she's just not very happy. She's just obviously not in a good mental health space um, and she needs to kind of get back her balance of, you know, real life and the, the, the company. And obviously, I think that the, the fact that she was so popular and she was so well liked that she had so many orders and so many requests and things like that. And she would get she had this thing um, at markets where she would have like hot chocolate, like really thick hot chocolate. And then she'd ring the mug um with marshmallow and then toast it with a oh. like a bun not a bunsen burner <laughs> what are they called like a like a flame what are they called flamethrowers they're not called flamethrowers what are they i called? know what you mean like they do creme brulees with yeah. like little like chef called? flame whatever they're called <laughs> and it she was on everywhere she was on time out she was on you know every kind of thing that was spoken about she had cues out the door but as a, as a one-man band obviously she was quite overwhelmed by that and i completely understand it obviously not to that level so yeah a, a week or two ago she shut down um just to kind of focus on her mental health and her you know everything and um obviously really sad that she's not going to be around anymore but you know really supportive of what she's decided to do and yeah, I I just I think she's amazing. I think what she's created in in such a busy baking world is so lovely. She's obviously got a real passion for it and a real real skill. Like her attention to detail is incredible. Um and yeah, I just I just miss her miss seeing her on Instagram from my sweet pie account and I think she doesn't really well, she probably hopefully she does, but she's inspired so many people like me and she's just got such a lovely lovely attitude towards baking it's just you know I hope she finds her happiness and I hope she kind of gets the the kind of balance that she needs and it's just really sad but yeah she's a she's a really big kind of like pioneer in the dessert world for me and I'm always going to look up to her regardless of whether she's still running fatties or not but she's a really cool cool chick and That's really good, I'm glad mate. that I've met really her a good. couple of times I'm still going to follow her. I'm not going to unfollow her, obviously. But yeah, it's nice to have someone that is so like no, not so unattainable. Good work, Eleanor. I'm going to go with Sally Hughes. Yes, Guardian beauty guru, obviously. Um, but recently set up Beauty Banks, which I yeah. think a lot of people know mm-hmm. about. Similar to food banks, in but they are for sanitary products, skincare products, beauty products. Um, toiletries essentially because it's not something that people always give to food banks and period poverty is a real thing there's a lot of girls particularly that have to miss school because they don't have access to sanitary products for like a week a month 40% of girls in the UK have used just like toilet tissue because or they socks. can't afford sanitary unbelievable, products unbelievable isn't it yeah unbelievable. insane in the UK 40% of girls. Do you, have have you got that. the numbers from, from, other, from other countries, though? Oh, uh, no. Not to hand. Because <laughs> uh, I was going to say, my friend, well, my friend's friend runs a, a charity in Kenya, mm. and I think oh, it's yeah, like yeah. 80 to 90%. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, in the, in the kind of low But you wouldn't expect it to countries. be 40% in the UK, and you wouldn't expect it to be as high as that in, in places like Africa. You wouldn't. 
I mean, you understand it, but you mm. wouldn't. You would hope that things were better than that. But There is actually someone who set up a charity which is to advocate for girls that for yeah for girls that receive free school meals to also receive um Mm -hmm. sanitary products as part of that which is amica george and she's like 18 years old oh yeah she did the um she did the protest last she did the protest yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so she's amazing actually she can be my joint girl crush because she's so she's really advocating for girls to be and that's a completely that's just such like a sensible solution to a big problem yeah so it's a good thing it's on my list of things to donate to this month because i haven't done yet um and i think you can either send a stash to an address which you can find at if you Google beauty banks, Sally Hughes. Yeah, I think they're... And that's Sally, spelled the Welsh way, S-A-L-I. Yeah. Or you can... Um, donate money. Donate. You? If, if possible, donate money. I think that's the easiest way for them to get the goods to people. But if you want to donate to someone specific, look into it. Yeah, Amazon... the, the Instagram of the beauty banks is at the underscore beauty underscore banks. Yeah. Nice. Important. Very nice. And unfortunately necessary. Mm. Good girl crush. Yeah. She's a girl crush for lots of reasons anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love a bit, Sally. Yeah. If she- I need to buy a new um, cosmetic product, I will literally Google that product plus Sally Hughes. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's to hilarious. see what she's got to say about it. That is a wrap on episode six. We're, we're taking a little three-week break. <laughs> Not that these guys are going to know, because it's all going to go out. Oh, yeah, well. Because yeah, we all, are yeah, so far yeah. behind. We <laughs> keep referencing very time-restricted things like International Women's Day. <laughs> oh, it's out in June, and we're talking about things in March. Anyway. It's fine. It's fine. You're going to love it regardless, mate, so you're fine. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you in episode seven. We'll see you in episode seven. Like and subscribe. Um, rate and review. Yeah, um, review us on Pop, lock and drop it. <laughs> yeah, stop, drop and roll. <laughs> when you're on fire. Um, reviews on iTunes are great. If you want to review us, if you've enjoyed today, as well as episode one, two, three, four and five. We're on the Instagram. We're on Instagram. We're on whatawaypod at gmail.com. We're, we are on Twitter. We've done fuck all on Twitter. We might have done I, by the time this goes I out. I set us up and put a logo on there. Thanks, so yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. done. Twitter, it's going to be good. Twitter's going to be We haven't even referenced why our logo is green yet. <laughs> well, hang on. If you don't know. Yeah, fuck you. You yeah. haven't listened. You don't know them, it's from episode two, doing? lads. So come s- on. Go back, reference, work it out. Yeah, come on. That's episode why I just two. Stop shouting, fuck you. Classic resolution. Classic resolution. Fuck you. Fuck you. But anyway, we'll see you episode seven. In your in your ears, it'll be next week. So don't you worry about it. Yeah, just, we're just not going to see it. each other for three weeks, so we're freaking out. But that's fine. Don't worry. <laughs> we'll get through. We'll get through. We hope so. I hope so. Well, just listen to episode seven. And if it's terrible, we it failed. means we've hated. We, yeah, we've hated really this break. We've really fallen out. We've lost all our chemistry. Oh, we've really Lord. fucked up. Jesus, I'm cancelling my trip. I'm staying. Staying. Do it. Fine. See, right. see you tomorrow for episode seven. I just let my sister know. <laughs> of course. Okay. Matt's going. Okay. Well, you have a nice time, Matt. I'll just hang out with Sarah and Claire for the next That's yeah. fine. We're fine with it. We're absolutely fine with it. I'm just going to wait in their office receptions because <laughs> I'm not at work. I haven't got a job. So All right. I'll just <laughs> hang out. My flat, I'll just hang out on new sofa. That's fine. Tatty bye. See you, see you later. <laughs> see you in episode seven. I need to pee. Bye. Bye. bye.